Night Shift episode 12. Kyle Gamard and Mike Stubbs, your hosts. You can find us on our socials at Stubbs980. Mine is at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're also up at globalnews.ca. Mike, a lot to talk about here in the show today. A a huge weekend for London. We also want to touch on a couple of individuals who have really stepped up, including one of the goaltenders, not named Brett Brochu, but we'll start... Mike, with with the weekend sweep uh, finished off on Sunday where London Knights got a 4-2 win over the Sioux Greyhounds. But I think the big win of the weekend was the second half of the back-to-back on the road in Windsor with your backup goaltender. And they didn't just win. They made a statement. Kyle, after the game, we were riding down in the elevator with someone who's covered the Windsor Spitfires for a long, long time. And he says, I don't remember a night's win over a good Windsor Spitfires team like that ever. And I was thinking about that. I thought, well, I mean, this, this rivalry goes back in time. There was a time when they played each other 27 times in a single year because of playoffs. And at that point there had to be a round Robin. And so there have been some crazy stories between these two teams but that was a really convincing win. Now they play each other five more times. It'll be interesting to see whether Windsor just didn't have it that night because really their only losses this year have been in games like that, where for whatever reason, they just didn't have it. Or was it what it looked like on the ice where the London Knights quickness really caused problems for the Windsor Spitfires. And you're seeing, and we're going to talk about this later, a number of London Knights taking big steps in this second month of the season. It's been really impressive to watch, but that game itself was really impressive. Zach Bowen got the start in net and he faced 39 shots. He made 38 saves and was full marks for what he was doing. But at the same time, the Knights were creating chances that they haven't been able to get in games before. And it really was that quickness that made the difference. And when you can beat a team like the Windsor Spitfires, this is a team that knows how to win. This is a team that has scoring from a lot of lines, great size on their club, good goaltending. So you've got a really, really tough team as an opponent. And when you can win like that, it gives you confidence. And that was probably one of the reasons they carried so much adrenaline from that win into Sunday that eventually they just outlasted the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. Yeah, you know, a 4-2 victory. And, you know, the Sioux earlier this season uh, picked up a one nothing shutout win against London. And it wasn't for a lack of trying. The London Knights put up 35 shots on goal. And similarly in this game, up until the third period, you know, the Knights were, were having problems scoring. They seemed to have an easier time scoring against the Windsor Spitfires. But, you know, the Sioux do such a great job at kind of collapsing to the net, get bodies in front, and really make your life difficult. Like, if you're going to score on the Sioux, you got to earn it. And I think London really had to earn their way to that victory. And it's nice to see them win in different ways. They got a five, four overtime victory over Barry, which saw leads change in an in, in extra, an extra frame. And Landon Sims scores the OT winner in that one. And then, you know, the Knights go on the road and they get a six to one win in Windsor where, you know, they, everything seems to go right for them. And then they come home again and they grind out a four to two victory 
over the Sioux Greyhounds. And it's, it's really, it's very fun to watch this team slowly start to adapt based on the game plan and find ways to win in different circumstances. And that's a key. You have to be able to do that. And the Knights continue to be a good team every year because you find ways to play it any way the other team wants to. And they knew what that Sault Ste. Marie game was going to be like. They knew that they were going to have to work hard for goals, go to those dirty areas. Even Max McHugh was talking about it before the game. Last time they were here, they beat us 1-0. We didn't forget about that. Um, I think they blocked... 35 felt like 50 shots so um, we're gonna have to do a good job at you know getting pucks through and um, going to the net for rebounds that's Max McHugh and the idea that you know they're going to block shots they're going to get in the way and that's exactly what Sault Ste. Marie did but the one key for the London Knights was finding a way to hang in there which they did and then get a lead because as soon as you can get the Greyhounds chasing you they've got to open up they can't play that really confined bulk up in front of the net style. They've got to open up and that helped the London Knights to eventually win the game. Yeah, it's it was really uh it was a very fun weekend to see. And it's fun to see now, you know, we talked about this set about the 10 game mark or so. And we talked to assistant coach Dylan Hunter about the differences between the first 10 games of the season and the second 10 games of the season. Uh first game it's you paint by numbers. <laughs> you know, it's uh you know, whatever worked last year, new guys coming in, whatever uh, you, your, your idea of them was, you give them those chances, give the older guys some chances, and then from there you start dismantling it or, or changing some things around to see what works, you know, and uh, there is no real scientific way of doing it. It's, it's I guess the most scientific is how long you keep them together. And you are starting to see the London Knights adapt themselves and adjust to not only the teams that they're playing, but adjust themselves you know, the first 10 games of the season, you know, there was the, the, the quote unquote panic button. They started, what was it, Mike? One, four and one or something like that. And everyone was like, oh, I don't know. And you immediately said, well, slow down a second. Let's let's wait to see this team adjust. Let's wait to see when they get players like Logan Mayu and George Diaco and Isaiah George back in the lineup. Brett Brochu's got his feet underneath him now. And you're seeing them slowly come together. I think, Mike, they've won eight of their last 11 or seven of the last 10 games. So they've they've kind of got things working right now. Yeah, eight of 10. And one of the ones that just dropped out of the 10-game segment was a loss to Owen Sound, which I think was a good game for growth in what was working and what wasn't for them. But you're right. They've got a lot of players who now are looking more comfortable. And It was really interesting to get a perspective, and we're going to hear more about this on our next episode. We're going to basically have a dad's episode. You'll hear (laughs) from John Sim, who was in town watching his son Landon Sim with the London Knights. John Sim played for a long time in the National Hockey League. He's got some great stories about making a jump from the Sarnia Sting right to the 1998-99 Dallas Stars, where he got into four games in the playoffs, and that was the run that they went on where Brett Hull's skate was in the crease. They scored the Stanley Cup winning goal, and the celebration began. So we'll talk with John Sim about that but we'll also talk with him about his time in the OHL and being a dad and and how to pass on information and we're also going to hear from Derek Crane who is Brody Crane's dad and here's just a little snippet of something that he pointed out that I thought was so key for anybody to you know to embrace and it's hard to do it but Derek has played in the Ontario Hockey League he's somebody who gets it 
and he said this was a real key for Brody Crane. Playing here in London is earning the trust and respect of your coaches. Yep. It's uh, it's definitely a process, and I think the uh, the tough survive here, and uh, Brody has learned a lot, and uh, I think it's starting to show. Yeah. I think the fans will like him in the next. Uh, half year to year coming up and it's going to be it'll be fun that's Derek crane brody crane's dad and he's right it is a process and that's so hard to embrace as a young hockey player we've talked about it where you're 12 13 14 15 years old you're the best player on your team if you're a forward you're scoring at will in some of those years if you're going to make the ontario hockey league and then you get to the ohl and you think about brody crane and anybody else born in 2004 or 2003 they had a really tough year in that they didn't get to play and this was their 16 year old year in brody crane's case so you lose that year you come into the ohl as a 17 year old rookie but but you really haven't adjusted to the speed or the changes in the game, what it takes, how to play the game. And so it takes a little while longer, but being able to accept that, you know what, this is a process. I'm not here for two days. I'm not here for a weekend. This is not a hockey school. This is an OHL career. I'm here for three years or four years. And so I have some time. And once you accept that, I think it becomes a whole lot easier and you're able to grow slowly. And we're starting to really see, Kyle, growth in players and the way that they're playing, the things that they're trying and the things that are working. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about, you know, the process of how long it takes. And I understand how just like, like look of today's society and everything is so instantaneous. We want things now you can look something up and two seconds and you know for these guys to understand that process and eventually get to a point now where they are contributing players you know we have seen really great turnouts from this team we talked about this on our post game show after the buzzer and you know mike there are, it's nice because there are some nights where guys like george diaco and sean mcgurn who are leading the team and scoring right now are the ones that carry the team but we saw this past weekend brody crane had a four-point game. I'm pretty sure he was one of the OHL's player of the weeks. He had nine points in three games or something like that, or seven points in three games. Easton Cowan coming up big for the London Knights on Sunday. Denver Barkey is, is really stepped up his game this year. It's nice to see kind of the growth of those players and that each diff on a, on a different night, it's a different player, a different set of players that are doing the heavy, heavy lifting, and it's spread a lot further out than I think we've seen in previous years. And that's what it's going to take this year because you're not looking at necessarily a superstar or a superstar line as sometimes you'll have in the OHL. The Knights are going to need a lot of different contributors, and that's good because once you get to the playoffs, that's exactly what you need. That's how you spell success in the playoffs. You've got to have contributions from all over the place. But look at the kinds of goals that the Knights were scoring. Sunday, Sunday was about gritty goals, finding a way to get the puck to the net and get it in. On Saturday night, it was more about being able to move the puck around and find the open guy. And then Friday night, Kyle, Friday night was one-timer night for the London Knights. Yeah, four of the five goals on Friday night, from what I remember, one-timers. We saw one-timers and a cannon from Ruslan Gazazov. We saw one-timers from 
Brody Crane, Logan Mayu, and you know the Knights have really shown that multiple players. Normally, when you have you know a, a team or a power player or anything, there's always a designated player or two that you want to set up for the one timer because they've got that booming shot. Now, for London, Logan Mayu is known as that guy, but. You know, the Knights have shown Rusin Gazazov. We've talked about this. The coaching staff are begging him shoot the puck more. He's got such an incredible release. Brody Crane showed he's got a cannon of a shot as well. So it's, it's really nice. George Diaco has scored a couple one-timer goals this year too. But yeah, Friday, I before the five goals were one-timers and beautifully placed shots, beautiful setups, whether you're entering the zone on, on a five-on-five rush or you're setting up on the power play. The Knights exercised that very well, and it was definitely the highlight and a big reason they got the victory. Definitely. And we talked to Brody Crane about that after the game. Uh, yeah, we were talking about in practice. They put me on that one-timer spot. So I uh, did the same play in practice. I love shooting one-timers. I do it after practice every time. So uh, luckily it went in and it felt pretty good. You got all of that. What was it like coming off your stick? What do you remember? Uh, the first one I remember is when the goalie caught it far side there. I, I was like, if I get the puck back one more time, I'm going short side. And sure enough, I did. So you work on it in practice, as Brody Crane says. You <laughs> hope that it happens in a game to see it happen that much. But there you go. There's the ability to adjust to what your opposition is giving to you. And that goes to the coaching staff, too, because they're going to notice things. And I'm telling you, Dale Hunter and his coaching staff, they'll pick out things. And you think, how did you even see that? How did you know that was going to happen? But they'll pick it out and they'll be able to say, all right, this is something that we think we can do against this team. And if it works, you wind up giving yourself a really good chance to win. And if you went into this weekend and said, ah, you know, three and three, tough opponents, no problem. They'll win three games easy. People would have looked at you and said, no, that that's not that's not possible. No, you, you can't do that. You have to go to Windsor on Saturday night. Barry's a really good hockey team. The Sioux makes life difficult for you and you're going to be exhausted on Sunday, but they went one game at a time, like the old cliche. And now the Knights have themselves a four game winning streak and another three and three coming up this weekend where they take on Flint twice, but it's Flint without Brennan Othman. Yep. He was traded in the first really big move in the OHL this season. He goes to the Peterborough Peets, making them even better. The Peets are going to be in London before the holiday break. And he's somebody that scored 50 goals last year. And Kyle, he, he really confused a lot of New York Rangers fans because <laughs> when the Peterborough Peets announced that Brennan Othman had been traded and that they had acquired him, you had Rangers fans responding to that tweet livid, livid, because they know this is a top prospect. He played very well in a couple of preseason games for them. And they thought, no, why are we trading this guy? Not realizing Peterborough is not a team in the National Hockey League. No, no, they're not. I, I understand they got, it's like when they say Rangers and they got like Peterborough, like the words on the jersey and I kind of, but I mean, they're not the same colors, but it's it's funny how sometimes fans instantaneously start commenting and going crazy and then realize, oh, it's it's not my team. Never mind. It's <laughs> not as big of a deal as I thought. But yeah, they, like you said, that's one of the, that's probably the biggest trade so far this season, if you're not including the off season, but you know, I don't, whether that starts a domino effect in the next little bit or what other, what um, other implications that it could have have down the line, but that's kind of the first major move. And, you know, now the Knights arguably without one of the better players in Flint, get a home and home against them on Friday, Saturday, and then they get to go on the road and take on the Sioux Greyhounds on Sunday afternoon, which should be an interesting game. Again, always tough going into the Sioux and playing them. And 
based on the team and structure and coaching staff that they have, you know, that's, that's not going to be an easy game. No, never is in Sault Ste. Marie. And so that, that'll be another tough weekend, but again, a good test and the guys get away on the road. This will be the first time the Knights don't spend a lot of nights in hotels, but this will be the first time that the Knights are into a hotel and you're eating meals together. And that was something that we talked about on Sunday with Brody Crane before the Sault Ste. Marie game, the idea that they hadn't been away from each other in a you know, over the course of the weekend for longer than just a couple of hours, the team was together the whole weekend. And last weekend was actually a bonding weekend for them. This weekend will be a good bonding weekend for them. And speaking of bonding, Kyle, you had line combinations that were really consistent. You had on a, a, if you want to call it a checking line, Max McHugh, Landon Sim, and Connor Federkow. And those qualities for a line that's going to make it tough on you to score. And they really hemmed in whoever they were out against in their own zone a few times. So that was an interesting combination. You also had a line that saw Sean McGurn playing up front with Ruslan Gazazov. And that allowed Gazazov to have, you know, a lot of opportunities offensively, which was good for him. Kyle, you mentioned his one-timer, and he was playing with Brody Crane as well. And, you know, that that line seemed to find some real success. And then you had the line that the players keep going, George and the Twins, which is George <laughs> Diaco with, with Easton Cowan and Denver Barkey. And that line worked out well. And in fact, we talked to Easton about it, and it was like they've been waiting to play together. I love playing with them. You know, they're both great guys off the ice. Uh... You know, I talk to them lots off the ice, so I think that really helps on the ice. Um, I think it's pretty funny that we're all, like, under five foot ten left-handers. So, you know, it's pretty cool playing with them. I mean, Diaco can score, and Barks just sees the ice, like, incredibly. So, yeah, it's been really good. Has anybody given you a nickname yet for that line? Uh, not yet. Usually they just say, like, Diaco and the Twins going to work or something like that. Do you get worried if lines like that might get a nickname? Uh, not really. I think it would be cool. <laughs> All right, well, we'll think one up. Thanks for this. No problem. So I think we need some help. If anybody has an idea for this, what should a nickname be if that trio stays together? And there's no guarantee. Dale Hunter loves to play around with his lines, and even during games, if somebody is going and he feels they're going to fit somewhere, he's going to move it. Or if something's not working in a game, he always likes to try and just mix things up a little bit, get something going, you know, try something different. And he's very quick to do that in games, and it usually works out really well. So if that line does stay together, no guarantees, but I think based on the chemistry they've shown so far, they're going to be playing with each other. What should a nickname be for that line? You can text us at 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. Or send us something on our socials at Kyle Grimard or at Stubbs980. That'd be a lot of fun. I'm trying to think right now. I don't know if I would throw names, but maybe do like the synonyms where it's like the CDC line or the CCD oh, yeah. line, something like that. I think <laughs> I think that could catch on pretty quickly. It's simple. It's catchy. It would work. I like George and the Twins. That's hilarious. Um, I didn't even think about Cowan and Crane looking or not Cowan and Crane. Sorry, Barky and uh, and uh, Cowan looking that much alike. But I uh, <laughs> that's funny to me. I like that. Well they look at it that they are three guys all under 510 all shoot left <laughs> yeah you're not wrong there and and you know what a lot of the line actually works out quite well you know you got barky who's a, a very uh you know distributor of the puck diaco can 
shoot and Callen's kind of a bit of both. So it works out quite well. Definitely does. We'll see if those three stay together as the Knights move on this week. It'll be interesting, and we will have one more pod coming up before the weekend set of games. It's going to be a dad special on the show, so be listening in on Thursday. Follow us, as always, on socials at Stubbs980, at Kyle Grimard. Listen to the podcast and catch up on all the episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and globalnews.ca. Kyle Grimard, Mike Stubbs, thanks for listening, and we'll see you Thursday.